It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the, the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Ruff. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Clark, 11 yard touchdown. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The Way to put it, I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. Time to take you home on a Wednesday. Welcome to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump, along with Adam Lundy, our producer. We've got you connected on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 468-62. I got a text from yesterday we're going to reply to today because it happened to slip through the cracks yesterday. So if you texted us in this first quarter hour yesterday, I'm coming back at you. I saved it so I could have it ready for today. Big show up until 6 o'clock, and then it's off to the Coliseum for me. Mastodon's basketball at home tonight. It's the last of the three-game homestand. So far, they're 1-1 one one in the three-game homestand, losing to Milwaukee in the final two minutes, and then beating Youngstown State, who was trying to become one of the three co-leaders in the Horizon League standings. And the uh, Dons knocked them off on Sunday and so now it is the final game of the three at home against Cleveland State. And these two teams just played like two and a half weeks ago in Cleveland. So they're pretty familiar with one another. In fact, I think they've played like 11 or 12 times uh, since the Dons have joined the Horizon League because they had to they had to get hooked up against them during the COVID period where a couple of teams got COVID and the league sent the Dons to Cleveland. So there's a lot of extra games between the Mastodons and Cleveland that you don't see with the Mastodons and anybody else in the Horizon League. So these are two pretty familiar programs with one another. You could call it a rivalry, although Cleveland State overall has won about three-fourths of the meetings, including the game that was played in Cleveland two and a half weeks ago where the Dons had a 15-point second-half lead and ended up falling in that game. And so the Dons have a little payback time. Tonight, hope you join us for the broadcast, especially hope you join us in person at the Coliseum for the Mastodons and the Cleveland State Vikings tonight. But I'll tell you what, it was a busy night last night for college basketball around the state of Indiana. Uh, how about those Indiana Hoosiers? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me that that game and it's amazing you probably could like look at Twitter or X and probably figure out exactly what stage of the game that tweet was being sent or that post was being made because it was everybody piling on on the Hoosiers about the the poor performance, the the lack of offense, the step-slow defense, and everything was just piling on and piling on. And then all of a sudden, Trey Galloway got hot. What did we say yesterday on this show, Adam? We said that it's got to be the Indiana guys that turn this thing around because you've got to have a certain pride in that name on the front of the jersey. And Trey Galloway 
took over that game last night. He almost uh, took over to the point of refusing to let Indiana lose. I don't know when you're down 18 and you hit a three-pointer if you're like, okay, I'm doing my job now. But Trey Galloway just totally turned this game upside down. Uh, he had, uh, at, at a point where Ohio State took a 65-53 lead, seven and a half minutes left. Trey Galloway took his game to a completely different level. In fact, maybe a level we have not seen at all this entire season. Two free throws, a three-pointer, a two-point jumper, a three-pointer, and he did it all in two and a half minutes, scoring uh, 10 points. And uh, in that 10-point 10, 10 run over the next two and a half minutes, with five minutes left, it was now a one-point game. Ohio State, 67 and Indiana 66. Now, certainly Trey Galloway got some help. Uh, Malik Renew had a big offensive night last night, 26 points. He was 8 for 15 for the field, 14 rebounds, a double-double for Renew. And uh, Anthony Leal, who had a pretty quiet night overall and even had some struggles at the free-throw line. <laughs> and But, man, when, uh, when Indiana needed him, Anthony Leal stepped up and delivered. You said it, yeah, the, the the shot of the game. The one people will remember is not when he clanked two free throws on his first trip to the free throw line. No, the one they'll remember is when he hit the huge three with 22 seconds left that took a two-point Ohio State lead and flipped it into a one-point Indiana lead, 74-73. And then he kind of iced it with his two free throws and made both of them with two seconds left. Great job by the Hoosiers. Big comeback. And once again, Anthony Leal, pivotal in that comeback. Trey Galloway, big during that comeback. And I'm not trying to discount what Malik Renew did, but what is the one constant between Anthony Leal and Trey Galloway? They are from Indiana. There you go. Indiana high school basketball. In fact... You know who they played for in AAU basketball? They were actually teammates together in AAU basketball. No, I don't. Indiana Elite. Okay, makes sense. They had Indiana across their chest before they ever got to Bloomington. Speaking of which, Anthony Leal, after the game last night, tweeting out uh, for the name on the front of that jersey with a heart emoji. We said you've got to show some pride. You've got to show pride for that name across the front. And and uh, the fan base has it. And the kids in this state that have grown up over the years, and I don't know if it's still that way, but, you know, during the Bob Knight era, kids in this state grew up dreaming to wear Indiana across their chest, considered it such a privilege to be one of the few that actually got to do it. Now, it's just a stepping stone on their path to the NBA for so many. And I don't know if it's the same. I I almost feel like it's shifted, and the pride of the name on the jersey right now is stronger in West Lafayette than it is in Bloomington. Is that fair, or is that not fair? I I think it's fair. That's just the culture that Matt Painter has created, and it was the culture that Bob Knight created at Indiana, that the program above individuals, that nobody was bigger than that name on the front of the jersey. That's why, what does Indiana have? No names on the back. There you go. That's part of the reason why. Because the only name that matters is the one that's in letters across the front of the jersey. Indiana. And we saw those guys represent last night. And last night, the Indiana kids delivered for the Indiana College basketball program. 
and Indiana gets a much-needed win against Ohio State. I mean, you know, we keep trying. We keep trying so desperately, and I feel a little like Kent Sterling right now because we're trying to have an optimism Wednesday and figure out where is that light at the end of the tunnel. It's very dim, but I think I still see it. Yeah, it's just the fact that this really, you know, fun comeback win, Indiana guys, you know, doing their thing. This is a game that happened against the Ohio State Buckeyes, who are extremely struggling right now in <laughs> yeah. the Big Ten and, and are not a good team this year. So it's like, yeah, you got a fun, inspiring win, but it's against, you know, a meddling and, team. And you know what? I didn't want to be that guy. I had to. That came in here. And dwelled on the fact that Indiana was 18 points behind a very difficult or, or challenged <laughs> Ohio State team. Yeah, that team has that team has struggled mightily. What was it? Eight out of nine they've lost. Yeah. Uh, now five in a row. I think that they've lost. They. It, yep. I mean, the calendar in 2024 has not been kind to Chris Holtman and the Ohio State Buckeyes. You wonder. Big thing at Ohio State is Gene Smith retiring. He is the one that hired Chris Holtman. And now you've got a new athletic director who comes in. We ought to look at his history because he's been two or three places. And you wonder who the coaches are there and if he's got relationships with anybody that was an assistant that's gone somewhere else. Because you wonder, with a new athletic director, it's always critical to perform well that first year that athletic director is on the job. Don't let him start hearing the outside noise and feel like, hey, I can come in here and I can make my mark <laughs> at this new job by replacing the college basketball coach because that is the pressure right now Chris Holtman is under. You've got a brand-new athletic director and you've got a, a basketball team that is struggling, including blowing an 18-point lead because if you take it from Ohio yeah. State side – Ohio State just blew an 18-point second-half lead at home to a team that's struggling. Also not good. Yeah. Now, Indiana <laughs> came back from 18 down on the road against a team that's struggling. So, you know, you take it for what it's worth, depending on what side you're on. Right. But uh, for Indiana, I, I do think that the light at the end of the tunnel is not completely dark. Uh, you know, again, the committee knows that Indiana is the name on the front of the jersey. Okay, Indiana is still a blue blood because for the people that are going to be in that committee room that are 50-something, they look at the Indiana program, and to them, that's a marquee name that can be invited into the tournament if there's a reason to invite them. Right now, they don't have enough. Uh, an 18-point comeback in the second half against Ohio State doesn't get you into the tournament. No. But I think Purdue is a must-win for the Indiana Hoosiers. I think the light goes out if they lose. I have to agree. Because I don't think there's enough of those statement-making wins ahead of them. And so far, every statement-making game that they have played, they've lost. And in some of them, they haven't looked good in doing so. Not Auburn crushed them. Ugh. Purdue crushed them at home. Uh, you know, Kansas, they battled, but then they lost it late. And so... I mean, right now, you got to say, where's the win that the committee's going to think of? Right now, there isn't one. No, so like you said, they have that opportunity against Purdue this weekend, but if they lose against Purdue this weekend, their really only opportunity left is against Wisconsin, and that's at Assembly Hall, but we have we have seen the Hoosiers struggle against Wisconsin, the Badgers. Yep. Um, <clears throat> all right, so yesterday, we got a text on the show, because my my first segment, I was talking about matchups, and I said, if I was Indiana, I would consider putting Khalil Ware 
on Jamison Battle because Battle's real area that he hurts you is the three-point line. And with the length of Khalil Ware, you you make that shot difficult. Okay, it's very – and I've seen it with the Mastodons. When you put, uh, you know, QMR, 5'8 guard, or if it was Damian Shanqui, they might be a great defender, but a really good shooter that's 6'4", 6'5", uh, they're just going to go up over the top of them and not feel like the shot's contested at all. They'll shoot their natural three-point shot. But if you're a Jamison Battle, you might have to put a little more arch on it because if you've got a guy that's seven feet tall, got a great wingspan – he can contest the shot even if he's two or three feet away from you. That was my point yesterday. Got some smarty that texted the show yesterday <laughs> on our Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862 and said, uh, why don't you get people to know something about basketball to be on this station? All right, uh, whoever you are, I don't know, you didn't have a name, but whoever you are, I probably knew more about basketball the day you were born than you will ever know in your lifetime. There is a reason that sometimes you go unconventional because right now Mike Woodson is still searching. He doesn't have all the answers. He's still searching. And Jamison Battle was a guy I felt like if you could... Limit him from the three-point line. You gave yourself a chance to win. Now, Indiana still did it. Indiana limited Jamison Battle to one for five. They were able to do it with Mackenzie and Baco. My concern is that that was the other logical matchup for Jamison Battle. And so you're going to put your worst defender on their leading scorer and a guy that can get hot at any time and streak together three or four three-pointers. So I'm like, I don't like that matchup. Somewhere you've got to change things. And the only change I thought that Indiana could maybe get away with was to put Ware on Jamison Battle. That's why I said it. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, but somebody that was not smart enough to figure that out or understand the game well enough decided to text me and talk about how that was not knowing basketball. Oh, he, man. He probably is the master of the 2-3 zone <laughs> in the YMCA rec league. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862. Well, now the stage is set for the Indiana Hoosiers coming up on Saturday. The big game at Purdue. IU Purdue. And like I said, I don't think Indiana has a margin for error in this. They got to go into Purdue and win at Mackey Arena. And that just doesn't happen. No. That will be the ultimate test. But the fact that it doesn't happen would be the biggest win that Indiana could have had against any of their marquee opponents they faced. Maybe UConn, but that was a neutral site, and it was more toward UConn than it was toward Indiana. Uh, Kansas would have been a home win. This is going on the road into one of the toughest environments in all of college basketball and stealing one from the number two ranked team in the country. That could leave a, a dent in the minds of the selection committee. But then what you've got to do is follow it up, have a hot February. Michigan State has done this for years. It's not how you start, it's how you finish, because that's what the committee remembers. And so you get the big win here in February. You run it out through the rest of February. Don't have a bad loss. You don't embarrass yourself in the tournament. Now you're on the bubble, at least. You're in the conversation. And the one advantage you got, if you're on the bubble, is you do have Indiana across the front of that jersey. Does help.
The Hoosiers. I don't think there's a question. No, I have to agree, but it, it really is going to be a I'm, tough one. I mean, if it comes down to, uh, you know, looking at uh, the net ranking, let's say, sure. right? And you've got Indiana and maybe uh, just above them on the net ranking, you've got Kennesaw State. Who gets in? Mm. <laughs> Indiana's going to be in the tournament if that's the case. Let me yeah, tell you. Yeah, it won't be the, <clears throat> the Owls. won't be the Kennesaw State Owls. <laughs> No, there's already an owl that's in this tournament. Oh, yeah. All right, let's find out what's happening in the world of sports. Let's check in. Today's top headlines coming at you with Adam Lundy. All right, thanks, Brett. Ohio State football coach Ryan Day confirmed he's giving up offensive play calling for the 2024 season, although the status of his handpicked successor, Bill O'Brien, will be determined in the coming days. O'Brien is one of the top candidates for the head coaching vacancy at Boston College. He interviewed for the job along with four other candidates yesterday in Atlanta. Day said today that he has, quote, no update on O'Brien's status with Boston College, but that O'Brien was in the building working for Ohio State. A couple NBA trades. The Memphis Grizzlies have agreed to trade big man Xavier Tillman to the Boston Celtics. Memphis will receive forward Lamar Stevens and a pair of future second-round draft picks from Boston in the deal. It's Atlanta's 2027 second-rounder and Dallas's 2030 second-rounder. And the Detroit Pistons are acquiring Utah Jazz forward Simone Fontecchio. The Pistons are sending the expired contract of Kevin Knox, a 2024 second-round pick via the Wizards, and the draft rights to a 2022 second-round pick. Fontecchio is still expected to be a well-pursued player in free agency this summer, but the Pistons will have the ability to match an offer sheet and retain him. And the Fort Wayne Tin Caps will treat their fans to a free breakfast buffet in Parkview Field Suite Level Lounge tomorrow morning from 8 to 10 a.m. as singles game tickets for the team's 2024 season go on sale. Beginning tomorrow, tickets will be on sale at the ballpark as well as through tincaps.com and by phone. And those are your top stories for today, Brett. Has there ever been a team that's been as good as Boston that has a general manager pulling the strings on a lot of different deals because he trusts himself as a very smart human being and he also trusts analytics and evidence and stuff? Brad Stevens, he never stops. He does not. And you're thinking, okay... A lot of general managers would think, I can't screw this up. You know, we're the best team right now. I don't want to screw it up. Brad Stevens is constantly looking for loopholes or opportunities to make his basketball team better. And in in that way, you give him credit. Because so far, he hasn't screwed it up. Everybody thought he made the wrong uh, hire as a head coach. That's worked out well. Uh, Everybody thought that letting Marcus Smart go was going to be a real problem because Smart was their defensive stopper and... uh, you know, he was the energy and uh, hasn't worked out too bad getting Drew Holiday. So, I, <laughs> I, I Brad Stevens is is a little, I mean, I want to call him a gambler, but, you know, it, it's high risk. I don't think it's a gamble because in his mind, he's making a very smart, educated decision based on analytics and eye test. And he really t- trusts his eyes because he's a very smart guy. And it's worked out for Boston. Yeah, and I think uh, Tillman could be a good uh, backup forward them behind Brown and Tatum. So yeah, well, and and uh, and then the question, you know, with Porzingis and his yeah. injury history, it seems like Porzingis is a high risk. Uh, it just gives them an insurance policy. That's, Absolutely. To me, that's he's getting some insurance. Four six eight six two is Parkview Sports Medicine text line four six eight six two. Questions, comments, or suggestions coming up on the show. Hour number two, Zach Osterman will weigh in on what we saw last night with the Indiana Hoosiers, what to expect coming up Saturday against Purdue. Also, we've got Pat Moylan from the Indiana Pacers Radio Network. He's going to join us 
to talk about the Pacers and All-Star Weekend. What is the atmosphere like right now in Indy? It's, you know, Indy always tries to take it to a different level than anybody's done it before. And that's the challenge to the people that run these types of events, whether it's Visit Indy or whether it's, uh, you know, the Indiana Sports Corp down there. Uh, they always try to find events and ways of creating a better atmosphere. They already have the natural geography, which is all the hotels and restaurants are pretty much within walking distance of the arena, stadium, etc. Yeah. So they've already got that going for them. But uh, but what what is happening down in Indy? We'll get the rundown from Pat Boylan coming up in our number two. Coming up tonight, we do have high school hockey that will hit the airways right after the Mastodons game tonight. Uh, live from the Parkview Sport One Ice House. And uh, coming up uh, Saturday, we've got Purdue versus Indiana. 7 o'clock will be the pregame show. And, of course, you have your choice for this game on on do you want to listen to Rob Blackman and the Purdue Radio Network? Do you want to listen to Don Fisher and the IU Radio Network? Now, we prefer you listen to Rob Blackman because he happens to be on our station, <laughs> just friendly competition, but our sister station has Indiana basketball, and so you can just uh, swing over to 92.3 WoWo if you want to listen to Don Fisher and the Indiana Radio Network, but they'll be calling the exact same place. In fact, maybe keep both radios on and just see who, <laughs> who you like better. Yeah, why not? Let's get a good comparison. I'm sure it'll just be divided by fan base, you know. Hoosier fans will go listen to Don. Uh, yeah, it definitely will. And But there's still a good chunk of fans that are college basketball fans that have interest in this game that are not an, a Purdue grad or an IU sure. grad or a Brewster or somebody who's a obsessed fan. <laughs> uh, a lot of texts came in. A lot of texts came we, in. Do we have any that we can uh, answer on the air? We do. Somebody said, you guys are just silly. Those Indiana kids for Purdue wouldn't be anything without a giant Canadian. IU was not able to come back without seven foot Ware. Did you guys see what happened when Ware was out? They went down 18 points with horrible defense. Uh, well, they were playing not real good defense, and you can't count on Ware to to be your savior defensively. I, you know, quite honestly, I felt like Indiana didn't shoot the ball well, and once they got going, their defense picked it up a notch because sometimes off bad offense leads to bad defense. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I tell you, you see it all the time in basketball that when a team is struggling to make shots, they don't get back quite as crisply on defense. And here's the other factor for this. And a lot of people miss this point is when a team is missing shots, especially if they're missing three pointers, what happens with the rebounds? Long rebounds, right? Right. That are already heading the other direction quickly. And if a guard was the one who shot the three pointer, he may not be the first one back on defense, which means someone else has to cover him. And a lot of times teams will score in transition or they'll score quickly in the offensive flow because the other team never gets back. Or if the team does get back, what happens? First man back takes the first man who gets into the front court. And so you might have a forward who gets back and a guard who comes in the front court. He has to pick him up. And then the guard that ends up being the guy that was the shooter that's a little bit lagging behind. He has to pick up a big man. And you've got mismatches, right? Because you couldn't pick up the guy you were supposed to pick up because you just have to stop the transition. Right. And that's what now when the ball goes through the basket, here's the other factor. What happens? They got to take it and they got to go away from their basket, not toward their basket like a long rebound would lead them on the break. No, they've got to take it out of the basket. They got to go 
three or four steps further away from their basket, then throw it in. <laughs> and so what happens is yeah. it slows their offense down by two or three seconds. That allows everybody to get back on defense. Everybody picks up their man. There's no mismatches. And so when you're missing shots, not only can it affect you mentally on the defensive end, but truly physically in being able to get back in position and get the right man in the right matchup. So there's a couple of factors going on when you're missing shots. What else we got? Oh, well, we got some. Keep bringing them, folks. Bring it on. We got some Purdue fans now coming to the defense of Mr. Edie. They said, clearly, <laughs> IU fans don't know basketball since they think Edie is only good because he's tall. Jealous much? Well, and here's the other thing. Purdue's been pretty good when Edie's been off the court because they, they've got depth in big men. I mean, yeah, you don't have a 7-4 national player of the year. But you still have guys that uh, that come in. Trace Kaufman, Trey Kaufman Wren had a big game. Uh, and if he had an opportunity to be out there every game, he would be a matchup nightmare. He'd be tougher to match up with by some teams than Zach Eady is. Because if you're matching up a big post, like take Northwestern, for instance, who has Nicholson. Right. Okay. Nicholson's a big body uh, that, that, you know, is going to gonna bump you down in the low block. But Nicholson's not going to be a guy that's going to want to take you out to the perimeter and then have you drive on him. And so certain teams will be uh, more favorable to match up against Edie. You can just put the big man behind him and have a guard come in. But that's, you know, it's often not that unusual for any team to double in the post. Okay, I know for the Mastodons, if they choose to go with a double in the post, they're yelling fire. That uh, that signals to go into your rotation defensively and take a double team to get the ball out of the hands of the post so they can't get a, uh, a cheapie or a bucket close in. And, and a lot of teams will have that same philosophy, that there will be certain times and certain positions on the floor where you want to chase and, and get the ball out of the hands of the post player. And so you double, you have to have a rotation. But, you know, when you look at Purdue and you're going to say that that basketball team isn't is garbage without Zach Eady, when Braden Smith is one of the top point guards in the country and should be on the koozie list, and he's not. Should be. And then you've got, uh, uh, you know, you've got guys around him like Lance Jones that is capable of putting up 26 points. Fletcher Lawyer, who is capable of getting hot any single night uh, that Purdue plays. You've got uh, the extra forwards with uh, Gillis. Trey Kaufman Wren, and even Caleb First, who's being limited to six, seven minutes a lot of games just because they've got so much depth at the center. Remember, the guy we haven't seen is Will Berg. Yeah. The, the backup seven-footer. <laughs> the, the backup backup <laughs> at this yeah. point. Yeah, he's the other seven-footer. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's I'm not going to buy that Purdue's garbage without Edie. Purdue's no. a better basketball team and they're a national championship contender with Zach Edie on the floor. Yes. But how far does the floor fall if you don't have Edie? Well, I think it's still a basketball team that would compete for a Big Ten championship. I don't know if we'd be talking about them being one of the two or three teams that probably has the odds on favorite to win the national title. But I think they could compete for a Big Ten title. Yeah, I'd have to agree. We got a little trade here in the NBA coming up, you know, trade deadline. The Detroit Pistons are finalizing a deal to send Monte Morris to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Okay, thanks for interrupting. You're welcome. It's Morris. Which Morris is that? This is Monte Morris. He was previously with the Wizards. Um, just kind it's of not like one a, of the Morris brothers, is no, it? No, he's not Marquis for Marcus. 
Yeah, okay. Markeith, Mar- Marcus, and Markeith, Marcus, and who's this, Monty? This is Monte Morris. Monte yep. Morris. But uh, he's just kind of going to be like a backup shooter there for the Timberwolves. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. A lot, <laughs> lot of people here thrilled to know that. Woo! Yeah, breaking. I mean, if you're going to jump in and give us that that huge news about a trade between, between the Pistons and the Timberwolves, <laughs> at least hit the breaking news sounder. Could we at least have... Bring, oh, to make it sound that. like we're on top of the sports world here today. Okay, we're all over it. All right. Yeah. But, yeah, no, Purdue is just uh, – they still have, just have a lot of depth behind Edie, regardless if they have him on the floor or not. And, it, obviously, they have a lot of options. If a team has a, a plan for stopping Edie, they can do other things. Yeah, Purdue would be different, but they're well coached. They would figure it out. They'd still be a good basketball team. Uh, and, they, you know, again, you know, I think it's hard to say any team would be just as good without a national player of the year on the floor. That is tough to say, but uh, but would they be? What did they call them? Garbage or what? What they? What was the term that they used? Purdue would be what? They said those Indiana kids for Purdue wouldn't be anything without a giant Canadian. Okay, so they didn't really use a, a name, but wouldn't be anything. They would be something. I'm sorry, we can easily argue that point, but we do have to give them that we're silly. <laughs> okay, all right, <laughs> we'll give them that. We'll give them that. Uh, but, but we're not the Indiana kids they're referring to. No, no. They're referring to the silly Indiana kids that go to Purdue. Almost like, at least the way I'm taking this is Well, no, they did call us silly. Oh, they called us silly? We're silly. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Can't argue that one. No, that's what I'm saying. We'll give them that. I'm Mr. Debate today, and I can't even argue that one. (laughs) 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. 46862, what's on your mind? You can always text us. In fact, we're spending a lot of time going through our texts today because we're getting quite a few of them. So we'll check out the text line during the break. Also coming up, a former Colts quarterback is in trouble with the law. Who is it and what kind of legal matters are they facing? We'll talk about that. A little bit of Pacers news. Mastodons tonight. Cleveland State is on the agenda. It's all coming up before 5 o'clock right here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Romp. He is Adam Lundy. Our Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Talking Indiana basketball and the amazing second half comeback after the amazing second half deficit. They were down by 18 (laughs) and they came all the way back and won the game on the road at Ohio State. So I guess for an Indiana fan, that game was the best 18 minutes of basketball that Indiana's played this year. If you're an Ohio State fan, uh, I guess you want to just look at that first 22 minutes and think, we built an 18-point lead on the Indiana Hoosiers. Two struggling teams looking for moral victories a little bit. Yeah, Indiana struggled in that first half. Um, You know, a number of reasons, number of factors, didn't shoot the ball well. Uh, But for the, you know, when you look at the the shooting numbers, Mm -hmm. and that was one of the point we were making earlier, uh, Indiana in the first half shot just 33% from the field. They hit just one of seven three-pointers. Mm. And, in fact, they were only 10 of 17 at the line. They got to the line plenty, uh, but they only made 10 of 17 at the free-throw line for 58.8%. Meanwhile, in the second half, Indiana hit 55.2% of their shots, while Ohio State cooled off to just 32%. Indiana hit four for six from three. And Adam, you can even do the math on that. Ooh, I can. Four for six. Ooh. That's two thirds. So 66%. 
66.7%. Yeah. I, knew, I knew you'd get there. <laughs> Woo. Indiana also got better at the free throw line. They were 11 to 14. Meanwhile, for Ohio State, just three for 11 from behind the arc. Uh, Adam, I know you can give us the percentage of that. No, I can't. I know. None of us can. 27.3%. They were tw- <laughs> they were 12 of 14. At least you know where your math skills end. Yes, I do. I'm they very... end at two for three. Uh, the free throws for Ohio State, they were 12 of 14 in the second half, almost matching Indiana's 11 for 14 number. But, uh, but the bottom line is Ohio State didn't shoot well in the second half, and Indiana didn't shoot well in the first half. And then the game flipped. Yeah, it did. They did a good job of keeping uh, Battle from getting hot at the line, only one for five on the night. They The only thing they really let Battle do was get to the line too much, go 10 of 10 from the free throw line there. Yeah, yeah. he ended up with uh, 10 free throws made, all 10. In fact, uh, I heard Don Fisher give out the stat last night that Jamison Battle is like 26 for 26 or something like that, 28. He's uh, He's not missed a free throw in Big Ten competition. Wow. And on the season, he's 95% at the line. So Apparently, oh. his misses were non-conference misses. Non-conference, that's what we like. <laughs> but well, uh, but 19 points for battle, 19 for uh, Roddy Gale Jr., who was 6 for 10 from the field. Meanwhile, for Indiana, 26 from Malik Renew, 25 from Trey Galloway. And uh, Khalil Ware had uh, an off night, just 6 points on 3 of 10 shooting, 0 for 1 from distance. And the surprising stat is he only had one rebound, and that was an offensive rebound. Yeah, I mean, you're seven feet tall. I, I thought we were grabbing some boards, maybe. Yeah, one offensive rebound for the night. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, Indiana gets the uh, win over Ohio State last night, and that sets up Indiana at Purdue. Saturday night, under the bright lights, it's a Fox national TV game. Yeah, that's Number one, it's always going to be a a loud crowd at Mackey Arena. You bet. Number two, it's going to get louder when Indiana is the opponent. Absolutely. Number three, it's going to be even louder when it's a national television audience. <laughs> You're still correct. Indiana needs to wear earplugs. They need to, you know what they need? They need those kitty headphones that <laughs> block. Could you see them? All five guys come out for the starting lineup, and they're all wearing those plastic kitty headphones to protect. Oh, man. Is that, it's going to be loud. I wonder if they've been doing some of that uh, Purdue training where they were training for assembly hall with the <laughs> Yeah, with cranking the noise. up the music. Yeah. Well, um, everybody is trying to figure out that the Purdue roof, their ceiling, is a satellite dish. Mm-hmm. Now, I say it's a satellite dish. It's, it's n- not actually approved as a satellite dish but it's got the same shape the same don't and so what it does is it just circulates sound Bounces so sound right that goes back. up yep. comes back down so if you're in there and it's totally empty and a noise goes up it comes right back down uh and that's why it is so loud inside that facility almost feel like indiana you, you yell it down to the 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 floor but then it ricochets up and and it Kinda. departs into those balconies on yeah. inside of assembly hall so a former colts quarterback is in trouble with the law again not his first time it almost feels like we've told this story before art schleister former indianapolis colts quarterback serving probation for cocaine charges back in 2022 months after he was released from prison 
continues as he faces now another felony drug charge. Listen to this. This is a guy who's been arrested so much he knows the process and he actually does what he needs to do before the cops even ask. <laughs> Schleister was stopped by Ohio State Highway Patrol late Friday afternoon when a trooper noticed a vehicle driven by Schleister sitting near East Hudson Street and Hamilton Avenue in Columbus, Ohio. As the trooper approached Schleister's car, he handed the officer a crack pipe. Yeah, he knew what was coming. Here you go. Here, uh -huh. it, Here's your evidence. Go ahead and get your baggie out. Yeah, that's put, a, this, <laughs> put this away. Easy uh, day for the officer. Yeah. So Schleister's car was then searched. Small white rocks believed to be crack cocaine were found. And uh, Schleister, an overall fourth pick in the NFL draft by the Baltimore Colts, Colts in 1982, was charged with fifth degree felony possession of cocaine. He's going to appear in court next week. I mean, if you look at his rap sheet, oh, my goodness. This guy has just had a very troubled life. And at one point, it was gambling. At one point, it was a Ponzi scheme. At another point, it, it, in between and throughout and up to today, it's a lot of drug-related offenses. Uh, it has just been one thing after another uh, for Arch Leister, but in trouble once again. And this one, he's going to be, I mean, you get booked with a felony, charged with a felony when you're on probation already for another felony, uh, he's going to spend some prison time. Yeah, it's just unfortunate. He's clearly a guy that needs to get some help. Uh, in September, he was found uh, unresponsive in his hotel room, had to be resuscitated. So clearly somebody that's struggling with substance abuse and, and needs to get some rehabilitation. Yeah, in fact, uh, that was the reason he was on probation. Right. That September arrest from 2022, where they gave him the Narcan right. and were able to get him resuscitated. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just... Another headline with Arch Leister's name that is not positive news. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862. So the Pacers get their win last night against Houston. That game was in doubt for, uh, well, back and forth, back and forth. And eventually the Pacers got themselves a little bit of separation. But then Houston made a late run that made it kind of interesting down the stretch. But Indiana wins at 132 to 129. Tyrese Halliburton, very pedestrian numbers for Halliburton last night. You know, we're, we're, we're so accustomed to him getting, you know, 15, 20 assists that when he has a game where only has seven, we're kind of surprised. Seven assists, 18 points, got, got uh, 29 minutes on the court. But it was Pascal Siakam uh, who's maybe starting to get comfortable with his role in this offense and, and what, you know, what coach uh, Rick Carlisle is expecting of him. 35 minutes, he was 11 for 16 from the floor. He was four for six behind the arc, three for four at the free throw line. He finished with 29 points last night to lead the Pacers. 21 for Miles Turner, who had a nine for 16 shooting night. Uh, Miles Turner, uh, I'm, I'm trying to look at the rebounding because I can't believe these rebound numbers. Uh, nobody had more than four rebounds. Is that correct? Uh, that is correct. How do you have an NBA game and nobody on your lineup has more than four rebounds? I guess they're uh, rebounding by committee. <laughs> I mean, Thompson for uh, Houston ended up with 13. Which Thompson is that? Is that Amir, Aman? What? That is Amen Thompson. Amen Thompson. Amen, not Amen. Uh, 
he ended up with 13 rebounds and uh, also finished with uh, how many points did he end 13. up? Thirteen. Thirteen. Points. Double double. Oh, that that's why I was confused because it's thirteen <laughs> thirteen. Um, so he had a double double. He sure did. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, four scorers that went for twenty or more for Houston, and they lost the game. How about that? So the Pacers get a much needed victory at home. They're now seventeen and ten at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Now twenty nine and twenty three overall and i think it'll get interesting here in the second half and one of the big questions when we have pat boylan on coming up in the next hour what's he hearing about these andrew wiggins Mm. trade talks or interest the pacers might have interesting yeah because the question is what would the pacers give up what would they be willing to give up and and where would andrew wiggins fit in this lineup would would it mean somebody like an obi toppin loses his role or you know how do you how do you blend andrew wiggins into the roster we'll see what pat boylan has to say about it because there's not many details and i think he only had one reporter that really was tipped off to the news chances are in my mind this is golden state wanting to get some calls yeah and the way you get the calls is you put out there rather than saying golden state is shopping andrew wiggins because that that doesn't if That's they don't not, get a deal yeah. done then it, that that offends Andrew Wiggins right right because it's like hey do you, you don't want me so what you do is you turn it into a positive and say the Pacers have an interest in Andrew Wiggins right and that might have been a conversation that took place months ago it might be a conversation that took place last week maybe the Pacers uh, you know maybe somebody asked the Pacers if you know if he was available would you have any interest yeah uh, you know hit me up <laughs> shoot me a DM dial my digits. <laughs> Let's talk. That could have been exactly what happened. Yeah, it was Kevin Pritchard saying, dial my digits. Dial my digits, Exactly. I could just hear Kevin Pritchard using that kind of language. (laughs) 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. 46862. Mastodons tonight. Big one at the Coliseum against Cleveland State as the Dons trying to kind of chip away, gain ground on those top four spots. That's where they need to end up by the time this season ends at the beginning of March. Because those top four spots, when you look at the way the Horizon League tournament is set up, you not only get a first-round bye, you get a second-round home game, and you're that close winning a game at home to getting down to Indianapolis for the final four of the Horizon League tournament. And uh, and so it really is a advantageous position to be in if you can get into the top four spots. Don's certainly not out of the running for one of the top four spots. In fact, they're probably not realistically out of the running for the top spot because they're in about the same position they were in a couple of years ago when they became a regular season champion. Uh, but it was a Cleveland State game that actually helped the Dons win that regular season title. We'll kind of reminisce, talk about that matchup because there's a long history here in a very short period of time right. between the Dons and Cleveland State who have played plenty. Yeah, and a win for Purdue-Fort Wayne tonight would actually give them a better win-loss record than Cleveland State. It would send Cleveland State to 7-7 seven and seven at 500, and Purdue-Fort Wayne would be 7-6. and six. Yep, there you go. All right, so, uh, and the Dons have a rematch with IUPUI coming up Saturday. Yeah. Take nothing for granted. Nope. But you've got to cash in when you get IUPUI and Detroit Mercy on your schedule. That's all I will say. Well, I don't. I don't want to. Wanna, I mean, I don't want to be the uh, the announcer that jinxed the game. No. But the reality is, two teams that have really struggled, and IUPUI 
played the game of the season when they were here. With you look at their percentages, those are not consistent with the percentages they've shot all year. Don's didn't play well, and we'll you know we'll admit that because uh, it wasn't the best performance by the Don's, but it was the best performance for IUPUI. Four six eight six two Parfus Sports Medicine text line. Top of the hour. We'll take a break. We come back. Plenty more, including news about the tin caps and your chance to get single game tickets and maybe even a little bit of breakfast. We'll talk about that coming up on the other side. It's the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.